The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey, this is Dr. Doug Birch, pastor of Evergreen Church in Auburn, Washington, and you are listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. I think sometimes we underestimate where God is at work. The Bible has many stories about God listening to people that we wouldn't listen to. God sharing visions with people we wouldn't share visions with. On today's show, we're going to talk about how active God is in this world, how he is listening to the prayers of pagans, and how it's our job to bring every person Jesus on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. Thank you for joining me again. This is the Fairly Spiritual Show. I am Dr. Doug Birch. I pastor Evergreen Church, a little church here in the Puget Sound area. So glad you could listen. Our show broadcasts uh, for the first time on Friday. There's a repeat on Sundays, and you can also listen to the podcast whenever. Go to our website, fairlyspiritual.org, to find out a previous podcast or how to subscribe to the show. You can subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or other podcast platforms. You can also find out about my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. I specifically wrote it for people who struggle with being in community, whether you're a pastor or you're someone who's just been hurt by the church, it'll be great for you. Or if you're trying to lead a small group or a church group through this question, why do we go to church? And it's not just because we're supposed to. Why are we called to gather in Christian community, even when people Hurt us. Uh, also, I want to give you this number. You can text me anytime during the week or you can leave a message. I so much appreciate the people who have done that. I give this offer every week. I just want to interact with you in the sense of knowing that you're listening to the show. This is not some sort of phone list where I try to hit you up for money. I just want to know who's listening. This is how I determine whether I stay on the radio. I want to know, are enough people listening to this show to make it worthwhile to continue to pay to be on the air? So with that uh, text, if you still want this show to be on the air, you're like, hey, I like listening to this. I'm a regular listener. I like the podcast. I enjoy this. Then text me, 360-818-4513. Please don't text me if you're like, I don't want to hear this anymore. Please go off the air. Uh, Your silence is enough. Here's the number, 360-818-4513, 360-818-4513. Also, just if there's something you got out of the message, if there's something the Lord uh, said to you, spoke to you, I like to hear that, 360-818-4513. I had someone texting me last week on Sunday. They had heard the Sunday broadcast. I didn't get back to them right away because I pastor a church on Sundays. Uh, I felt bad because they texted, and then they texted again and they thought I was ignoring them maybe, and I was like, I'm in church right now, I'm working on my message, it's in the morning, I'll get back to you. But it was very nice to have someone uh, respond that they listened to the show. So it's 360-818-4513. So here we go. I want to talk about this, that I think sometimes we underestimate uh, how God works in the world. We limit where God is speaking. Well, we can't limit where God is speaking. God speaks where God wants to speak. But we limit... Uh, where we're willing to look for the activity of God. 
And I've been going through the book of Acts in our church, and uh, I found, you know, the story of Cornelius, which might be very familiar to some of you. But as I was reading through the story of Cornelius, I'm amazed at how it just messes with so much of our theology. Now, Cornelius is a Gentile. He's not a Jew. He's a Roman centurion from Italy, or the Italian regiment, who's stationed in Caesarea. And a centurion is the leader of, well, originally it was their leader of maybe a hundred soldiers. It could be 60 to a hundred soldiers. And they weren't the kind of leaders who were just in the back who'd put all the soldiers ahead. These were warriors. They were in the front lines. Uh, They were greatly respected. They were probably pretty ruthless in battle. And so you have this warrior, centurion, who's basically in Caesarea as an occupier, uh, you know, part of the Roman Empire from Italy, who suddenly, and we don't know when this had happened, we just hear where he's at at this point, who fell in love with God, and who fell in love with the God of the Jews at the time. But he's not Jewish, and he's not accepted by the Jews in this sense, that he's not going to the temple, he's not uh, associating with other Jews, except for that he's doing good works to help the Jews. He's helping widows and orphans, He's, uh, he's giving alms, which would be food and money for the poor. And the scripture says that he's praying continually to God. But he's, he can't do all these other uh, rituals and, and traditions and basically the requirements of the Old Testament. He's kind of out there on his own as this centurion. He's praying before God and he's doing these rituals but he's not really in any category except for someone who's just seeking God and wants to have a relationship with God or wants to serve God, but he's not really in any category at all. And I'm just going to read a little bit of this. You could read through all of Acts 10, but just so you get a little bit about Cornelius. Now, there was a man, this is Cornelius, excuse me, this is Acts 10, uh, 1. Now, there was a man uh, at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. And this this term of just feared God, he just had a general fear of God. This kind of messes with our theology. Well, what was his view of the Trinity? What was his view of salvation and justification? What was his his view of the Old Testament and the New Testament? We don't know that. He just has this general fear of God, this belief that there's a God and that he needs to serve God who feared God with all his household and gave many alms, and that would be money or food or clothing, uh, to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. So he continually prayed to God. Now that's about as generic of faith as you can get. It's powerful. He does good works continually, and he prays to God, but he's not in the religious establishment. He's not in the theological grid that everyone else is in. He's not in the Pharisee and the Sadducee and the Jesus follower grid. He's just a God-fearing person. And God-fearing means humble in the sense of like he realizes that God is big and he is small and he's trying as best as he knows how to serve this God that he believes has created him and he's doing good works and he's praying to this God. It says about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, which is interesting, Cornelius doesn't look away from the angel. A lot of times people look away from angels, but he, he's a, you know, this warrior who just looks right at the angel. And he says, what is it, Lord? 
And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God, a memorial before God. So this is pretty powerful too, because sometimes people say this, you know, without Christ, you're just this worthless, nothing that dead in your sins in such a way that, you know, nothing can reach God. Well, this guy doesn't have Christ. And yet his prayers have reached the ears of God and an angel is visiting him to tell him that. So I'm not going to make a huge theology out of this, except for the theology that God is listening to the prayers of people who don't know Jesus yet. That Jesus, that God is seeing the good works of people who don't know Jesus yet. Do those good works make them righteous? No. Do those good works make them saved? No. But God cares about the people he's created. And right now he's looking for people who fear him. And what I, what I mean by that is he's looking for people who realize, you know, I, I, I'm not it. I, I, I have a creator. There's someone bigger than me. I, I want to find this God. He's looking for people who are searching for God. He's looking for people who understand that, that there's more to life than themselves. He's looking for people who see injustices and wrongs in the world and who see poverty and, and who see need and who are helping those who need something. It's interesting that it matters that he gives alms, that he cares for the poor, that even scripturally here, it, it, there's a priority here that God sees someone who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't really even know him very well, but he's giving to the poor and he's giving to poor uh, 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 Jewish widows and orphans and the needy, and God sees that, and God values that. God says, that's important. And so basically the angel comes to him and says, you know, God has heard these things, and he remembers these things. And so in the story, it's a long story, and I can't go through all of it uh, on today's show, but so basically they send for Peter in Joppa, and Peter, who doesn't associate with Gentiles at this time, Peter, who has his own vision where the Lord's showing him that you know he's, he's not supposed to separate from Gentiles and what he used to think was unclean is now clean, he comes into this room and Cornelius has gathered all his family and friends around him and Peter begins to tell him about the gospel and the good news of Jesus and as he proclaims the good news of the gospel, the Holy Spirit falls on them and they all begin to speak in tongues and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then they are baptized. And then they become Christ followers. In fact, when Peter first comes into the room with Cornelius, this shows you how pagan Cornelius is. When Peter comes in, Cornelius begins to worship Peter. He begins to bow down at Peter's feet. This shows you that this man doesn't know much about God. And, and the reason I'm stressing this is that this man doesn't know much about God, so much so that when Peter comes in, he begins to worship Peter. And Peter's like, no, I'm just a man like you. Let me tell you who to worship. It's Jesus. So this really messes with my theology. God has heard the prayers and seen the good works of a man who doesn't even know who to worship, who immediately worships Peter when Peter enters the room. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I, I would be reluctant to believe that God is remotely working through anyone who's worshiping the wrong person. If I saw, you know, if, if some guy came in the room and the guy next to me immediately began to worship him, I'd go like, that guy clearly doesn't know anything about God and anything about the kingdom. But in this story, the guy who's worshiping Peter has had received a visit from an angel. 
So why I'm saying this is that right now we need to recognize, wherever you are right now, if you're listening in the car, if you're listening at home, uh, if you're listening to this podcast while you're running, and some of you are saying, why do you always say running, Doug? What if I'm just walking or lazy and eating chips? Maybe you need to run. I don't know. Maybe just, just take that for what it's worth. But wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this program, you need to know that within a quarter mile or a half a mile or 10 miles of you, all around you, wherever there are people, there are people who don't know Christ, who are praying, who are calling out to this generic concept of God, and God is hearing their prayers. He is hearing their prayers, and he is seeing their good works, and he delights in their good works, and he cares about their prayers. And in the story of Cornelius, God cares so much about Cornelius's good works and Cornelius's faith or attempted faith that he sends Peter to bring Cornelius Jesus. And that's why I'm sharing this with you today, because there are people all around you who are seeking God, and God is speaking to them. God is leading them. God is interacting with them, but they don't understand Jesus. And they need you to bring them the clarity of Jesus. Now, by the way, if you just think I'm bringing this too far, you're like, well, Doug, I don't know. I don't, that's too extreme. You know, God, this is how God speaks. God speak, you get saved, and then God speaks to you through the Word of God and, and through the Holy Spirit and through the, the body of Christ. Uh, the Bible is full of stories where God speaks through pagans. One of the strongest ones in the Old Testament is the story of Pharaoh and Joseph. You know, Pharaoh, um, there's several stories of Pharaoh, right? But the story of Pharaoh and Joseph, Pharaoh was worshipped by people on earth, and Pharaoh was basically considered the sun god on earth. And so people worshipped the sun god on earth, which was Pharaoh. And uh, if you look at the story of Joseph and Pharaoh, God gives Pharaoh a dream. God is speaking through Pharaoh. Think about how weird that is, because Pharaoh is a god, a false god. And yet God gives Pharaoh a dream, and, and Pharaoh doesn't know what to do with that dream until Joseph comes and interprets that dream. Now, that's some pretty weird stuff for us. That kind of messes with our theology, which means that God is willing to work through Pharaoh in order to rescue all the people, because there's going to be this huge famine in Egypt, and because he cares about the people of the earth— he speaks through Pharaoh, and because he cares about his chosen people and cares about Joseph, he allows Joseph to interpret the dream of Pharaoh, which is a principle here, that God is giving people dreams, but he's called us to interpret them. God is giving people dreams, but he's called us to interpret them. God is speaking to people, but he's called us to bring them clarity. Or in the sense of Cornelius, there are people speaking to God or interacting with God, but they don't understand what next step to take. And it's our job to bring them Jesus. Now, I think one of the, the sad things in the modern age I've seen among some Christians is they'll acknowledge this fact that God is moving in different cultures and in different communities and that he's working with people who maybe don't know Jesus. But instead of bringing those people clarity, the Christians are becoming less clear. They're kind of going, you know, Jesus doesn't really matter. It's just kind of this generic God. And as long as we just kind of have love and, you know, we get along and that's good. And there's this kind of generic 
concept of God. And so the Christians are becoming more like Cornelius before he met Peter. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that those of us who know Jesus, we bring the generic faith into clarity. And the clarity is Jesus Christ. Because Cornelius still needed more than just a generic relationship with God. He needed more than just praying continually and doing good works. He needed Jesus and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So much so that when Peter entered the room, Cornelius was hungry. He was there waiting with his family to hear the answers to all his questions. And when Peter began to speak and to speak of Jesus as being Messiah, as being Savior, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, it is our job, it is our responsibility, it is our privilege to bring people the clarity of Jesus Christ. Cornelius had much, but he needed more. He had visions from God. He had an active prayer life, but he needed the message of Jesus. He needed the power of the Holy Spirit. He needed a Christian willing to speak or associate with him. That's what hits me as well in this, because uh, when when uh, Peter comes into the room, he reminds Cornelius that, you know, we don't associate with people like you. You know, Gentiles and Jews, we, we don't hang out together, but God has shown me that I am to cross this line, and we are called to be brothers. When the Spirit of the Lord falls upon the Gentiles, uh, those who are Jewish believers, they look at each other and they're like, well, I guess we got to accept these people because they've received this salvation in the same way we've received it. This leads me to this question. Are we willing to associate with people who are radically different from us, but that God has already been associating with? Because right now, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, or in other neighborhoods and in other communities, People are interacting with God. People have received visions from God. People have received instructions from God. People are praying to God, but they need the clarity of Jesus. Are you going to go to their home and bring them Jesus? In this story, Peter leaves Joppa and goes to Caesarea to bring Cornelius Jesus. Are you willing to do the same? You know, it's easy for me to say, are you willing? Am I willing to do the same? So often we, we kind of pick and choose who we think is closest to Jesus or who has the better chance of receiving Jesus. But there are some groups where we think, well, this person's just too far away. This person's just, there's no way that person could be close to Jesus. But in the story of Cornelius, we realize that God has heard his prayers and seen his good works. There's an interesting correlation here is that it seems like God cares about people who fear him. And, and fear in the sense of they understand that they're not the big deal, that they're weak and God is big, who fear God and who believe that they need God, who are seeking God, and who are seeking to care for God's creation, to care for the poor, to care for the needy. And that, to me, is maybe a good way for us to look at the world. Are you willing to look for those sorts of people in the world? Are you willing to look for people that maybe they don't talk like you, act like you? Maybe right now they worship a different God than you. Maybe right now they have a different view of God than you, and, and, and you know that their view of God is not the right view. 
but you know that it's your job to bring them Jesus. But in order to bring them Jesus, you're going to have to associate with people that are different than you. You're going to have to be in environments that make you look a little different, that others could accuse you of even, hey, why are you hanging out with that group? See, even in your salvation, it wasn't that a pastor brought you Jesus. It was that Jesus was already at work in your life. And then as people began to speak to you the good news of the gospel, it confirmed or it validated or it brought to life what God was already doing in you. When anyone gets saved, when anyone comes to a a greater knowledge of God or a greater knowledge of Jesus, it's not just brought to you by that individual. It was whoever brought you into, you know, praying a, a salvation prayer or it wasn't that person, you know, Jesus was absent from your life and they came in and there was suddenly Jesus. No, it's always that the Holy Spirit has been at work in your life or Jesus was at work in your life or God was at work in your life. And then someone or a person or an individual or a message or an activity or an event happened that partnered with what God was already doing in your life. We have to believe that right now, wherever you are right now, that all around you there are prayers going up, that God is actively moving in the world, and you're not going into a world that's just complete darkness, that's void of the activity of God. And you might go into a room where you're like, God couldn't possibly be here. These people all believe something completely different than me, and I want you to know that in that room there's someone who's been seeking God and having secret conversations with God, and they need you to bring them Jesus. In that room, there's already a discussion that's been going on. There's already a spiritual event that has occurred, and you get the privilege of bringing the next event. You get the privilege of helping them find clarity. I believe this so strongly that so often we are limiting us we are limiting the work of God because we think we know the odds. Like in, in, in horse racing, I know we shouldn't probably go bet on horse racing, but if you do something like that with gambling is people bet on the horse with the good odds, right? We're like, well, that, that horse has won a lot of races, so I'll bet on he has good odds. There's a good chance of him coming in. And we treat spirituality like that as well. And we think, well, this guy seems close to Jesus. And this person, you know, they, they kind of they have some spirituality that seems similar to God. But that's not how it works. Cornelius, he's not a Jew. He's not in the temple. He doesn't know the scriptures that well. When Peter enters the room, he begins to worship Peter because he doesn't even know where to worship. But God is at work in his life so that when Peter begins to preach, the Spirit of the Lord falls on him. Are you willing to go into rooms that no one else will go into and to associate with people that no one else will associate with? Are you willing to go speak to your Muslim brother or your Buddhist brother or your Hindu brother and say, I want to to bring you Jesus? Now, again, it's not where you're forcing something on someone who doesn't want to listen because there's some people who don't want to listen and they don't want to hear you and they're not ready. But in every room, there are people There are people who've had secret conversations with God, and they need the clarity of Jesus. Are you willing to bring that clarity? Lord, I just ask that you'd help us right now through your Holy Spirit, for everyone who's listening, that you would bring to mind places we've been avoiding. 
If we've closed our heart off to where you're working, if we've limited where you're working, forgive us, Lord. And would you help us to remember that you are listening to the prayers of people all around us, in our neighborhood, in our city, in our nation, in our world. And would you give us hope to understand that you are actively working in this world and we don't begin to see the activity of God the way you see it. Open our eyes to see your activity and help us to bring the clarity of Jesus to everyone who needs it. Help us to bring the real truth, the one way, the one truth, the one life, the one light, Jesus Christ and him crucified for our sins, raised from the dead, poured out the Holy Spirit so we could have relationship. We thank you for these things, God. We thank you for your truth and for your clarity. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, I really appreciate you listening to this show. Uh, I'd love it if you go to my website, fairlyspiritual.org. Go to fairlyspiritual.org. Donate to keep this show on the radio. We need a few people this week to give uh, $25, one person to give 100 If you could do that, we stay on the air. That's how it works. Also, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. You can also pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church, from a reluctant pastor at Amazon. I so much appreciate you listening. Your grace and your kindness is so much appreciated. I will see you next week. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.